Chapter 14 Closing the triangle-shaped hatch above her, Lupa breathed easier again. It wasn't that she didn't like being topside, it was just that there were eyes everywhere. Unsafe, risky all the time. She landed on the floor below the ladder with a light sound, bare feet meeting packed dirt. One look around, a real look around. Make sure nothing was hiding in the shadows behind the ever-lighted red and yellow lanterns in her home. Exhaling contentedly, she let the illusion drain off her. One by one, her hex brands rose to the surface of her skin again, from mud-stained toes to fair, freckled forehead. She reached a hand into her large mane of dark red hair, burying the entire limb to reach the scalp somewhere in there and scratch. Happy to be able to relax completely again, she allowed herself a sit-down on the floor with a large piece of tart yellowberry cake while leisurely collecting ashes from the fireplace. She just wanted to sit back with her knitting for the rest of the evening, have a book read to her, fall asleep on the couch. She sighed, looking at the friendly bruises at her wrists, unable to hold back a little smile. Finishing the last bit of her piece of cake, she stood up and got to work. The faster this was over with, the faster she could get back to Everin even tied mysteries under Delon. Starting by the northernmost floor-to-ceiling support, Lupa went from etched symbol to etched symbol on them, tracing and activating. With all the glyphs enforced around her little home, she felt safe enough to start. The intricate shapes glowed around the walls, adding a cold blue light to the otherwise so warm glow of the lanterns. The ugly light was good. No room to sink into comfort. Keep sharp. She placed herself cross-legged before the heap of ashes, where she wrote the name of her recipient. Closing her eyes, she started to chant. One by one. Her hex brands responded to her focus, pale green across her skin, like a meshwork of words, a polyphonic language. Across the skies, from body to body, through ash and dirt and veins, I call to you. I embrace the folly of distance. I deny the physical. I deny the spatial. I deny the dominion of bodies. I deny the dominion of bodies. I deny the dominion of bodies. Hear me. She was getting good at this. The connection was almost instant. Good evening, magpie, sounded a voice. Not here, but in the same space as herself. Lupa was sure enough of the stability of the connection to allow herself an eye roll. Hello, Derry. And how successful have you been? Derry's voice sounded again, through the hollow corridors of distant communication. Very naturally. They are a group of three. One of them I could get to easily. She and the two others are in a hut north of Everglade Lith. Let me show you the trail. 
It wasn't easy, but eventually she managed. She allowed Derry another sense, sharing a flight among the low vegetation of the Alvar, all the way to the hut where the mark on Taryn's neck glowed bright. Oh, that is a sharp mark, treasure hunter. Lupa could hear the admiration in Derry's voice, one of the few things she liked about the blood kith. She was never moderate, and it extended to compliments. And the experience, was it enough of a payment in itself, or do you require more? Lupa giggled, feeling her face flush a little. <laughs> Wouldn't mind more where that came from, but alas, she sighed. No, you owe me nothing. Until we defy space and time again, my dear. Lupa let go. Exhausted, she fell back against the floor with a long sound. She felt the hex brands flicker to silence. This would definitely be a cake for dinner kind of night. Derry spun the little blue communication crystal in the palm of her hand. Lon was asleep, a pile of tense muscles and bristly hair. With a pleased little sound, Derry put the crystal back underneath her tongue, letting it sink into the tissue and disappear. Lon would be so happy to wake to good news. Lady Kai didn't know if the creaking came from the floorboards or his spine as he turned over on his back. The mattress was thick, but underneath it was still a very hard floor and it had been in battle with Lady Kai's skeleton the entire night. Another struggle between his body and furniture where he came up short. A memory of the short conversation with Crow about the physical effect of the Institute's the oblation flitted by. Maybe this would eventually change, too. He sat up with a grunt. The cold light of morning trickled in through the smudged window. He was in a little alcove in the large room that was Vesha's house. It didn't have a door, but they had put up a makeshift divider, a red blanket hanging off a pole, precariously balanced on two bookcases. It wasn't just the light that was cold, the whole room was. They were over a third through Kensar Romanarim, mornings got colder. He could hear the others move around in the rest of the house, clinking of crockery, opening of cupboards, a word here and there. Standing up, he tried his best to stretch, but it felt as if he would just pull something if he made it more than a symbolic gesture. He caught his bare-chested reflection in the window in the parts that were particularly smudged. His face was impossible to see, blotted out in the sunlight, but he could make out the contours of his torso, his hip bones. He couldn't see an effect of being away from Egelin just yet, but maybe he could feel it a bit, like a stability in his bones. It was probably just placebo. He lightly ran his fingertips over the lines of founts covering his entire chest and stomach. When he hit the edges of the large burn mark on his side, he instinctively flinched away from the uneven surface with a quiet inhale. 
Then something else startled him a lot more. A very loud sound came from where the makeshift divider hung, having crashed to the ground. In its place stood Vash, holding the drapery in his hands, meeting Lydikai's wide eyes with the same stunned look himself. He instantly looked away and turned his back. I am... I apologize. I should obviously... It's so obvious I should have announced myself before touching this, pulling at this volatile... Vesh sighed sharply. It sounded as if his breath was shivering. I'm so sorry, Lydikai. I didn't mean to intrude at all. I hope you can forgive me. Breakfast is ready. He somehow managed to put the curtain up again without looking at Lydikai once, even accidentally. Lydikai hadn't been able to move throughout that entire series of events. He had gone from scared to angry to surprised to not understanding why Vash sounded so profoundly sorry and apologized so much. It wasn't that big a deal. He looked down at his shaking hands, catching a glimpse of his bare chest again, the burned scar like an alien surface attached to it, and the panic set in like an arrow. He reflexively reached out to hold on to the wall, sweat racing to his skin. Stop, stop, he heard himself whisper before harshly clasping his hand over his mouth to shut himself up. His hair felt like a damp, heavy pile of cloth on his head sticking to his neck and forehead. With a hiss, he reached for his shoulder bag and violently rummaged around in it, his hands clammy and unwieldy. Finally, he found a couple of leather bands. He pulled all of his hair back, trying as best he could to ignore the myriad of knots and bumps in it, and tied it with the bands. It felt like coming up for air. He had to stand still for a while to stop the waves of heat and the difficulty to breathe. Eventually, he managed to get the shirt on, his robe over that, actively ignoring the state of it like he ignored the state of his hair, the state of his mood, and stepped out into the rest of the room. The table was set. Four cups, all in different colourful designs, three different teapots in the middle, and two large plates, one with small rolls, and the other with dried fruit. The whole house smelled like newly baked bread and strong tea, and Lydikai hadn't noticed until now. Vesh gave him a look as soon as he stepped into the room, and a sincere smile. Lydikai sat by the table. Crow was nowhere to be seen. That won't help, you know, Taryn said with a smirk, looking up at him. She poured herself some tea. Lydikai gave her a questioning look. The hair, she said, nodding towards him. You're still going to have to brush it at some point. Or, you know, cut it off at this rate. Surprised, Lady Kai felt a very small flame trickle among his fingers, and he snapped the hand behind his back. I don't have to do anything, and my hair is none of your Jaraimin business. Even he could tell the curse was a bit much, and the tone. And the look he gave her. Taryn raised her eyebrows high. Okay. I had a moisturizer to you as well. He sighed, sitting down, exhausted at feeling his pulse race again. His body seemed very determined to not give him a break. Slept poorly. Sorry, that's no excuse. I just... He tried to exhale slowly through his nose. It didn't really work. He was staring at the teapot, 
but he knew his hands were shaking too much for him to lift it right now. Look, he's apologising again, Taryn said to Vesh, laughing and leaning back in her chair. Swear I'll never get used to it. Lydica's chair fell back, landing on the floor with a woody clanging as he abruptly stood up without another word. For a few breaths, he was just standing there, holding the edge of the table, feeling his fingertips being breaths away from burning little marks into the surface. Then he shook his head and darted for the door, slamming it both open and shut. Taryn let out a long sound, rolling her eyes. Sorry about him, I'll sort it. She stood up, stretching. You should be apologising about yourself, Vesh said calmly. Taryn stopped her movement, scoffing at him. Excuse me? You were being rude. Vesh wiped his hands on a crisp linen towel. Inattentive. Look, you don't know anything about us. This is just the tip of a very tall, complicated iceberg, she said. Then she winced at herself. Oh, she exclaimed, throwing her hands a little in the air. Sorry, sorry, she said quietly. You're probably right. You usually are. It's just... We're not like you... Vesh gave her a disappointed frown. No, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just... Wow, this is ridiculous. She placed her hands on an imaginary table in front of her, exhaling slowly. One bloody wildfire at a time. Damn everything, she muttered as she harshly pulled one of Vesh's bright blue cloaks off a hanger over her shoulders and stormed after Lejikai. Vesh sighed into the silence of his house, hanging the towel on a line running along the ceiling. He sang. Damn the water, damn the air. I'm travelling on dirt and gravel, travelling on poultry fare. Damn this carriage, damn my friends, for they are mirror and distraction, reflecting what my spirit sends. Leave me alone, pretend I'm free, let me believe I'm only me. Let me pretend... Please let me be, be stormy sea and sturdy key. He smiled. Then he realized something in the silence Tyron had left. The nervous ghosts that had taken it upon themselves to watch him were not around now. He wondered if they judged correctly. I thought you would yell. So did I, Taryn said with a sigh, sitting down next to Lijikai. They were atop a large boulder, overlooking the magenta-orange mist hanging over Wisp Lake. Vesh said I was being an ass, which means I probably was, she continued. <laughs> Lijikai's head was still a frustrated, disappointed jumble. He picked at one of the knotted strands of hair hanging down from the tail. Does he do other magic than the Shadow and Ash path? 
Lady Kai said, sitting up a little straighter, letting his hands fall down in his lap. Hmm? I... sure, yeah. Though not a lot, I think. That tends to be pretty, um, taxing, if I've understood him correctly. Why? Does that path, um, affect the practitioner in some way? Okay, what are you on about? Ugh, never mind. He could tell Taryn was glancing at him still, though. He's not like anyone else I've met, I'll give you that. He's honest, kind, has your terrible taste in books. Lady Kai made a surprised, unintended sound. It washed some of his dull, vibrating anger away despite himself. We don't deserve him, Taryn continued warmly. Litikai had never liked that expression. Taryn had told him she didn't deserve him on several occasions. He knew she meant it to be endearing. She used it as an approximation of fondness. She had made him dislike the expression even more than before he met her. I'm not the only one who's changed, Lady Kai said, after a moment of silence where they had just watched the moving mist. My guess is we're both a little uncomfortable sliding back to our old selves. You know, habit. Tarrant didn't answer. At his words... One of her rare frowns that wasn't accompanied by a smirk has set in on her face. I think there might be something good in it, maybe. He cleared his throat. But at least for me, that possible good is lost if I don't engage with it instead of simply allowing it to happen. He felt as if the words refused to form the way he wanted them to. Okay. She picked at the hem of her wide linen trousers. Seemed the calf bands that usually held them tight against her legs had disappeared somewhere. What it are we talking about here? Can you give me something concrete to work with? He swallowed. Twice. I need you to lay off your jokes about my appearance. She scoffed, loudly, her frown and smile back now. Then she shrugged. Okay, I'll do my best. You've got a job to do, after all. Her tone was curt. She didn't look at him. She stood up. He didn't. Just pulled his long legs towards himself, placing his chin on his hard kneecaps. He let a hand fall down to meet the coldness of the boulder, fingertips tracing a patch of lichen, recoiling like from electricity as it was too reminiscent of a similar surface on his own body. You've got a lot of history, and to me, that means I always have your back. She sounded as if she was taking an oath. That's just the way it is. But I think... Her voice became a little bit quieter, and it sounded as if that annoyed her. I think I'm still not sure if we can be friends again. Kadea, Lyrica said softly, keeping his eyes on the surface of the lake as Taryn turned and walked back to the hut. Maybe he would have preferred the yelling, after all.
Breakfast was over with. Crow had come back from a morning walk, and Vesh told everyone what needed to be done before they could start proper. Several times he reminded them to be prepared for how long it would take, and that they would not be able to leave the communication once it started. He stressed outhouse visits, food intake, water drinking, wearing comfortable clothes. When Vesh said he needed a large amount of yellow collars collected, a flower that grew out on the alva, Taryn called, Me! and then quickly added, Ancro! Then she had accepted two large wicker baskets, thrown one to Crow along with her cloak, and marched off. Crow had followed with a shrug and a wave to Lady Kai and Vash. Taryn and Crow were now standing out on the Alva, the wide, dry expanse feeling all but endless around them. Here and there, small collections of juniper and other cypresses huddled in the brisk wind, which was mostly allowed to run free around them. Several times, Crow laughed in surprise at the strength of the wind that tore at their long blue hair and even managed to snag at the heavy bodmol of their cloak. Taryn wasn't as happily bewildered by the weather. She was starting to regret her eagerness for this task, especially when she realised exactly how rare yellow collars actually were. Since the flowers were so small and far between, they decided it wouldn't make that much of a difference whether they split up or not. They were as likely to miss a flower as to see one. Crow didn't really follow the logic, and Taryn didn't care to explain it. She just insisted they'd stay moving together. Who will be asking questions to your friend in there? Crow said when they had been quiet for a while. Well, all of us can if we like. Vesh is setting up for a group seance. Include us all in there. It's not the most pleasant of experiences, but, you know, we'll be fine. Oh, Neat, Crow said, not sure what they actually had expected. Is that why it's going to take so long? No, it always does. It's tedious as hormones. Vesh has to sort of manipulate his body to think it's dead. I really don't know the science of it. It sets my head spinning every time he tries to explain. That might have to do with how he explains it, but essentially, it's a combination of physical control and magic. Still, your bodily functions, that sort of thing. Fool the universe into thinking you're dead. Lie with your entire being until you believe it yourself. <laughs> Crow said, kicking a tuft of dry plants that they had mistaken for what they were looking for. And here I thought delusion magic was tricky. There are other ways of doing it, this kind of magic, faster, more efficient ways, roads to take there, Vesh said. He had seemed absolutely delighted about how fast Lidikai had grasped the technique of tying the wreath. He had also told Lidikai that he supposed it was not technically a wreath, it was just a very long string of yarn and flowers tied together in a specific way, but... He enjoyed calling it a wreath. Lady Kai could appreciate that. 
and his hands were as delighted about having something to do as Vesh had been about his quickness to learn. The Shadow and Ash Mage's dark grey dexterous hands worked much quicker and more competently at the other end of the wreath, however. I'm guessing there's a good reason we're not using those more efficient ways now, Lidikai said. Taryn insists. And she's right. I can be a little brash. Rash, perhaps, when I hear there is danger for my friends. That more efficient way, it involves a degree of violence. Or, his voice turned even softer. It is violence. Dying. A short death. Lidikai's hand stopped tying the wreath. Did you just say a short death? Vesh laughed. It made Lidikai's face warm. He tried to keep his breathing steady, fearing another fit of strange panic, but it didn't come. <laughs> well, you have to be quick about it. Hurry in, hurry out. Vesh said with a conspiratorial smile, leaning a little towards Lidikai. Make sure you make it out at all. He sat back up. But, as I said, Tyron is right. It is not healthy, not to be used lightly. He scratched at his jawline, sticking a nail down his high, tight collar, before going back to the wreath. So, he continued, we will do this the slow way. And, as I also said before, we will all be going in, all will communicate. If we all stick a knife in our stomach, or other suitable place, who would bring us back? Yes, when you put it like that, it all sounds terribly rational, Nidikai said, attempting to hide the exhilarating energy running through him at the information he was given with a tense chuckle. Besh looked at him for a few breaths before replying, and Lidikai felt as if he deserved some sort of prize for keeping his gaze steady. We do not do rationality in this house, the fog walker eventually said. Lidikai was sure he made it up, but his mind refused to hear it as anything but an invitation. To what? He was not sure. That is not a problem, Lidikai said, not even close to hiding a wide smile from coming through before clearing his throat. I think I've reached an end here. What do I do with it? He held up the bundle of yarn, twine and stems at the end of his at least one or a long part of wreath. Aha! Mesh exclaimed, standing up and walking over to Lidikai. He stood behind his chair, looking over Lidikai's shoulder. We attach it to the next. It's simple. Well, for you, it will be. He reached across the table, the warmth of his body closing in on Lidikai. Frustrated, Lidikai felt the tingling in his hands, signaling stress again. As a desperate attempt at getting rid of it, he sharply squeezed both his hands. Vesh glanced at them as he snatched another piece of yarn and placed it in front of Lidikai. These should definitely be enough, Vesh said, pointing at the faint founts on Lidikai's right hand. They were just scraps, what most mages call the small throwaway founts on extremities. Most were done by the mage themselves for various practices in fount making. He never even thought about that he had them. Enough for what? 
Have you already forgotten what we are doing? Besh said, looking down at Lady Kai, who was peering up at him in confusion. Creases formed around Besh's dark brown eyes, his wide lips slowly spreading into a wider smile as Lady Kai watched him. To put them together. Besh motioned down at the wreath in Lady Kai's hand and the yarn he had put next to it. You could tie a knot, yes, Besh continued, but we need it stronger than that. Finally gathering what Besh was getting at, Lidikai scoffed, a lot louder than he would have liked, and let go of the wreath. The path of mending, a version of healing that could be used for inanimate objects. Besh wanted him to mend the stalks and the yarn together. If you had seen my attempts at healing skin, you wouldn't be asking this, he muttered. Also, these? He held up his hand, studying the faint little scraps. These are just... these are nothing. Besh's eyes narrowed a little, but he was still smiling. Hmm, he said scratching the scalp between his locks, absent-mindedly folding in some of the new growth. You are... He hesitated. That is what they teach at institutes, I am aware. He started over. To guide to the big founts, practice one-way focus, single conduits. He waved one of his hands around in the air as he spoke, but kept standing leaning over Lydikai's shoulder. The sound of crisp silk against the worn fabric of Lydikai's robe. Taryn has spoken a little about you. Not that I... He stopped himself again, the smile gone now, visibly starting over. I like to form my own opinion. Even more so if I have heard second-hand impressions, creations. He shook his head a little. Sidetracked. I'm sorry. Back on the first track, she has said you are very skilled. She has absolutely not said that, Lady Kai interrupted with a laugh. Vesh nodded in agreement. <laughs> that is absolutely what she meant, however. Lady Kai felt the warmth on his face again. The memory of how strange the air had felt around Vesh crept in. The realization that it didn't feel like that now. The idea that maybe that was all part of it. The warmth instantly drained from his face again. My point. Vesh motioned towards Lady Kai's hand again. Even if you're unused to it, I think you can do this too. Easily. Use what you have. Then he, very abruptly it seemed to Lady Kai, Stood up straight again, seemingly balking at himself, not at Lidikai. Tch! He let out, shaking his head. What's wrong? Lidikai said, half standing up. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't. I feel as if I am making assumptions. I shouldn't be. He fell silent as Lidikai held up a hand. It's fine, truly. It is absolutely fine, Lydikai said, confused, but mostly at feeling so grateful. 
Some tension in his neck had eased, and it made him feel almost lightheaded. I want to try. Whatever it is you're trying to show me. I just think I need some help. Say we can't get this ender off my back either. What can I expect? Taran had given up for the moment, basket half full of flowers. The wind was getting wetter, and now felt a little like having someone throw nails at you. With a grunt, she had sat down behind one of the collections of trees, lit her pipe, and Crow had muttered that they too deserved a sit-down. At Taran's question, they seemed to hesitate a little, but still sat. Waking up in the middle of the night covered in hex brands? A short laugh. Well, more hex brands, in your case, I suppose. They smirked at her. A smile brushed over Taryn's face. Delightful. She took a few puffs of her pipe. It was through sheer will that she kept it going in this weather. How long have you had it along? Too long? Come on, Crow, give me something. They sighed, biting the inside of their cheek. Twelve years. Dang, she muttered. And it's just been this much of a bother now, after twelve years? Yes, Asav said. All right, all right. She held out her hands in defense. Well, that means I might have twelve years of calm ahead of me. Probably the least likely outcome of this entire situation, but I like your optimism. Taryn grinned, pipe between her teeth. That's me, optimistic. With a defeated sigh, she gave up on the pipe, emptying it against one of her sturdy boots. Make your deal, okay? You promise to offer me these little reprieves from accidentally setting Lydikai off now and then. I promise I'll kill that ender for you. She saw Crow's jaw tense, a small hesitation before they smiled, their usual tight-lipped smile. Nah, I'll race you to that killing blow. Taran laughed. <laughs> Very well. There's our deal, then. What's the deal about... Crow said, looking suspiciously at Taryn's held-out hand, though smiling. Ugh, oh, I don't know. What's a good thing? Honor? She tilted her head, putting a finger underneath her chin. Oh, I know! Loser has to teach the other exactly one magic. Crow looked at her in amused disbelief. I can't even do... What even does one magic mean? Just bloody shake on it, Crow, come on she said through clenched teeth, staring at them in mock exasperation. With a shrug and a short chuckle, they reached out their hand, and them and Taryn placed two fingers on each other's wrist. Raised to the end of death, Taryn said with a wink. All right, now, I, I told you I was bad at it. Lidikai was staring down at the entwined stems and yarn. It had taken a while before Vesh had realised it was alright to laugh at it, but now he was pretty much crying with laughter. 
I haven't. Vesh wiped his eyes for the third time. Oh, Moons. I have just never seen it do that. It was as if... <laughs> Remembering the image of the fighting ends of Yarn and Wreath, which had been the result of Lady Kai's third attempt at combining the two, sent Vesh into another fit of laughter that Lady Kai couldn't help joining in. For a while, Lidikai was just a shaking, laughing pile on the table. He could hear Vesh make another serious attempt at stopping it, and decided to try himself as well. This time, finally, it seemed they managed. <sighs> Vesh let out, pressing his fingers into his eyes, shaking his head, smiling. The silver and bronze-coloured scraps on his hands glittered. Then he looked at Lady Kai, this time without breaking apart again. We can make one last attempt. Differently, though, if you want. I'm intrigued, sure. Lady Kai held up a finger, smiling. Oh, ah, uh, no killing, though. Oh, well, forget about it, then. Vesh said so convincingly flat that Lady Kai believed him for a few breaths. Then Vesh smiled. No, but he stood up, taking the position behind Lady Kai's chair again. Lady Kai let out a long exhale. At seeing the wreath at the table, Vesh almost lost it all over. <laughs> oh, he whispered, taking a long, shaking breath through a chuckle. The air bounced off the edge of Lady Kai's long ear. Ridiculous. Anyway, he continued. You tell me if you don't want to do this. I will not judge. It is not killing, I promise. He added the last part at the sceptical look Lady Kai shot him. But I will have to help guide. Lady Kai understood what that meant. Vesh's hand hovered in the air a little above Lady Kai's, waiting to be allowed to provide the mentioned guiding. Frustrated teachers had done this at Egalin a few times, a hard-clasped hand guiding with force. Taryn had done so as well, but without the frustration, she simply didn't realise that others might need a look in the eye before being guided. The waiting for permission was new. Lady Kerr cleared his throat. Go ahead, he said, nodding. Lady Kai watched Vesh's large, dark grey hand entirely cover his own. Warmth spread instantly from it and from his own hand up towards Vesh. A moment of fear, when he was convinced he would burn him. But something calmed the wave, like the cold drizzle of rain. Vesh's hand seemed so steady compared to his little spindly tendrils underneath. Since he couldn't really see his own hand, he realised it couldn't give him that annoying distant feeling. It felt like revenge. Closing his eyes to get rid of distraction, he picked up the wreath and the yarn, feeling Vesh's hand follow attentively. As the two ends met, he felt both himself and Vesh fight a wave of laughter rippling from one of them to the other. Then they settled again, breathing sinking up, pulses of energy trickling through Lidikai, and it seemed to him, into Vesh as well, he could be making that up.
after a while, Vesh said, Less than that. The request didn't make sense at first. This attempt was beginning to feel exactly the same as the previous ones, a chaotic jumble of directions within him. He tried to focus on the scraps on his hands, as Vesh had told him, but just slipped into the old habit of going directly to his more powerful founts, the ones on his back, his chest, his tandia, even. Come to think of it, it was a wonder he had an accidentally burned down the house while trying to get these little things together. That's it. Several small ones, at once. The words from Vesh sharply interrupted the small panic Lydica had started to feel at remembering the result of unguided magic in his life. It seemed as if Vesh had told him to use exactly that. The memory itself. The flash of emotion. The little fears pooling together in him. That made no sense to him. Until it did. The little thoughts running parallel in his head. The memories of the institute, the wreath and the yarn. The little scraps he never thought about. The warmth of Vesha's hand. It all made it make sense. They happened simultaneously. The thoughts and words and emotions sending their strands of energy like a net of communication across him. He felt Vesh's guidance through it, letting him know when he was going in a useful direction. Wrap the net around the wreath. It was a thought that happened as simultaneously as everything else, unclear if it was him or Vesh. So he followed it. Like a shuddering breath, something continued beyond his body, outside him into his surroundings. Opening his eyes, he could barely believe what he was looking at. Vesh was standing next to him, hand removed from Lydikai's. He made a small gesture towards Lydikai that seemed to say, told you so. The wreath and the yarn had completely joined. It looked as if the long piece of yarn was just a continuation of the bound together flowers. Then he realised something else, and his hand flew up to his mouth. What's that? He said through his fingers. A very fine exhibition of what, well, at least where I have been, what they call creative abstraction. You barely used my help. You probably noticed that, though. Besh said casually, sitting down by the reed. Lidikai felt a tear run down his cheek. He wiped it away quickly. Besh looked up at him again, confused. I've never... Lidikai couldn't continue. Not caring that his hands were shaking now, he picked up a new bushel of flowers. Possibilities, questions and confusion ran wild in his head as he looked at the little dots of colour blurring beyond the damp in his eyes. He decided those emotions and questions would all have to wait their turn and give way for something Lidikai could not remember when last he felt with this much clarity. Useful. Thank you, he said quietly, marvelling at the insufficiency of the words. <laughs>